Bible, turn to Mark chapter 10. I don't know why you wouldn't have your Bible. We're not palm readers, we're Bible readers, I often say. And you need to follow us along in the Word of God. We're preaching through the book of Mark. Pictures Jesus as the greatest servant that ever walked this earth, but he was more than just a ser servant, he was a sovereign. And he's King of kings, he's Lord of lords, and there's nobody like him. Say amen right there. Thank God for Jesus, and thank God for his uh, grace and strength. Thank God for all the answers of prayer. 530, you couldn't, you couldn't keep me away from the 530 prayer meeting. It's been precious, and I believe God knew all this was happening and uh, going to happen, and uh, we still need to pray for for folks that are sick, Brother Tommy Grigsby's in the emergency room right now with chest pains. Pray for him. And uh, there are several other people that have been battling cancer, Miss uh, Newberry and others that we need to lift up in prayer. Now, I want to say this. If you was in that situation, you want everybody praying for you. So and compassion is making a difference, putting yourself in their place and praying for them, praying for our shut-ins, praying for the lost, praying for the backslidden. And we've already seen results. We've seen God work in mighty ways uh, even this week, and we thank the Lord for that. And uh, seeing those six uh, young men come forward and get saved, one during the song service Sunday night. That's a blessing, I'll tell you what, when they can't wait for the altar call. Amen? That's true conviction. Thank the Lord. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 32 through 34 is going to be our text and, uh, this morning. Tonight, I want to preach on uh, sometimes it's not good to win. And you'll see in the message that the first will be last and the last will be first. In God's eyes, a lot of winners are not winners. And I want to say this, I don't care if you win the national championship and you die and go to hell, you're not a winner. Amen? I don't care if you're an NFL football player and you make a million dollars a season, uh, if you don't go to heaven, you're a loser. You're not a winner. I once saw a tattoo on a prisoner. It said, born to lose. I said, sir, that's not true. You're born to win. But the only way to win is be in Jesus, amen? We're not trying to get victory. We're living from victory of Calvary. Victory was won at Calvary, say amen. And that's exactly what this text is all about. The Lord walks on before them, and then he just, not only that song is so good to go with this, he, he, they start fearing because they're going back to Jerusalem, a place that is they're despised. After John chapter 11, it says they went kind of into seclusion, and uh, they were surprised they'd even go back to raise Lazarus from the dead because they were trying to kill him. And uh, then he's walking towards Jerusalem. The disciples are walking with him, and they get a little frightened. But I want to tell you something, friend. He tells them a message that should give them a lot of hope. So let's stand on the Word of God, verses 32 through 34. You say, why do we stand? Because we stand to salute the flag. We ought to stand to salute the Bible. Amen? It's God's inerrant Word. It says, and they were in the way going up to Jerusalem. Every time you see a direction towards Jerusalem, it's going up. It's going up. And that's spiritually speaking too. And Jesus went before them. That's my text. And they were amazed as they followed. They were afraid. And you would have been too. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him. Saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and to the scribes. And they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him, and they shall scourge him, and they shall spit upon him, upon him, and they shall kill him. And the third day he shall arise. Amen. What a message. And all I'm going to do is read it and uh, rehearse it a little bit. But I want you to 
Think about the topic of Jesus went before them. Jesus went before them. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the wonderful choir special. You're still on the throne. Thank you for the special music. God, thank you, Lord, that you give us peace in the midst of fear and give us peace in the midst of uh, some that have no purpose and no uh, plan for their life. God, you give us the peace of knowing you're in, we're in the will of God and that your will of God is always right. And so, Lord, help us, God, to get thrilled about Calvary this morning, thrilled about our Savior, and God committed to be your follower. And we'll thank you and praise you for every soul you touch. God, be with Brother Tommy up in the emergency room. I pray that you'd be with those that couldn't be here. I know Brother Howard would want to be here. He's feeling a little under the weather this morning, but he's still praising you for touching his body through prayer. And Lord, we thank you for those miracles. And God, for the miracles of six precious souls being saved. They don't have to go through the teenage years uh, without you. They can have the Lord as their shepherd and their Savior. And we thank God and praise God for that. And God forbid we'd ever get used to seeing people saved. God, help us, to, help us realize it's the greatest miracle of all. So, Lord, save the soul that's closest to hell this morning. And God, help us all to draw closer to you. As Brother Darrell's already testified, we're just one heartbeat away from eternity. So, Lord, help us live like that. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, since the day Jesus began his earthly ministry, he called his disciples to follow him. And as they followed him, he, uh, they believed that he was a great teacher. They believed that he was a great prophet. They even knew he was a man of God. He worked miracles. And they even believed that he, on some level that he was the promised Messiah. They believed their leader was a great rabbi. Jesus was going to deliver them uh, as a nation from the dominance of Rome. And they believed that Jesus was going to restore Israel to their former greatness. They believed that the king of Israel would do it in their lifetime. The only thing they were mistaken about was how Jesus was going to do that and the timing. The disciples believed that these things were going to take place, but they believed that Jesus was on the verge of establishing a kingdom. And so they did not understand when he began to say, I'm going to be executed. He, they thought he was going to take over. They thought he was going to be the, uh, the general then to bring them back. Two, two previous times in Mark, I want you to look at it, Mark chapter 8, verse 31, uh, he tells them about his death, about his burial, and his resurrection. I don't believe they got it, or they wouldn't have been so dismayed after he died. But I want you to look at uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 31, please. Mark chapter 8, verse 31, he says, And he began to teach them, that's his disciples, and the Son of Man must, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. I want you to look at chapter 9, verse 31. This is amazing to me. They had to, they had to be taught three times. Repetition is a pretty good teacher, amen? amen? All you teachers say amen there. You have to go over uh, things a lot with, uh, with children to get them to understand and to remember. Look at verse 31, Mark chapter 9. For he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is delivered unto the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But look at verse 32. But they understood not that saying, and were afraid to ask him. They were afraid to ask him. They just couldn't understand it. And so instead of being a military leader that's taken over, He's going to tell them again, third time, that I'm going 
to be killed. And they couldn't understand that. And maybe you don't understand Calvary, but you better believe it. Because your eternal destiny is dependent upon it. If you don't believe that he died in your place and that he took your sin debt and that three days later he arose from the dead, you're not going to heaven, you're going to hell. And I wouldn't go to hell for nobody's pride or nobody's business or nobody's profit. I'm glad I'm going to heaven. Amen. Amen. And as I was uh, in the emergency room last uh, Saturday morning, uh, I, I was reminded of that. Amen. Uh, and, you know, I think we all ought to be reminded of the brevity of life and the suddenness of death. And, folks, Jesus went before them. Look at verse 32. And Jesus went before them. And I want you to see that Jesus went out front leading his men like a good shepherd. Amen. I want to tell you something, friend. He went out in front of us and died in our place. He blazed a trail for us to follow. He was forsaken that we might never be forsaken. He, was, uh, he, he suffered death, hell, and the grave where we don't ever have to suffer death, hell, and the grave. Folks, I'm glad I'm saved by grace plus nothing minus nothing. Can you hear me? And I want you to see three things real quick. I want you to see his focus. I want you to see his followers. But I want you to see his future. And that's what, that's what gives us all hope. First of all, I want you to see Jesus was focused. Isaiah, I've already said it, and I'll say it again. He set his face to Calvary like a flint. Folks, I mean, he went to Calvary, and he, had his, he, had a, he, he went before them, and that's a present uh, tense, means that he was always going and going and going. But his, his destination was Calvary. His destination was a hill called Calvary outside Jerusalem. His destination was to die for you. He came to seek and to save those that were lost. So I want you to see his destination. First of all, he was focused on a place. Uh, the place called Jerusalem. It's a place of sacrifice. It was the place of a temple. Uh, it was a place where the path of millions of people came every year at the Passover, and they came through the centuries to this specific place going up to Jerusalem. It was on top of a mountain. And the temple uh, was of Jehovah. It was God's temple. But folks, I want to tell you something. In the spiritual nature, it's a place of high spiritual elevation because that ought to be your statue of liberty. That's what sets you free. Folks, you ought to look back to Calvary and realize victory was won at Calvary, at Golgotha, a place called Calvary. There he offered himself. Several thousands of years before, uh, Abraham offered Isaac on that very hill. And folks, he said, you'll see the lamb one day. And Jesus is the lamb, amen? And he'll provide himself a lamb. Calvary was his destination. Calvary was his mission. And Calvary was his goal. He came to this earth and humbled himself, became obedient unto, obedient unto death. For you, he took your place. Look at Mark chapter 10, verse 45. This is really the theme verse, and we'll get to this um, in just a few moments or tonight. It says, even the Son of Man, chapter 10, verse 45, even the Son of Man came not to be a minister to, but to minister. But look at the last phrase. And to give his life a ransom for many. To give his life a ransom for many. Folks, he's got the pardon. And all you have to do is take it. And I'll tell you something. I don't know why anybody would go to hell when Jesus paid it all. I don't know why in the world that you would not receive the free gift of eternal life. 
Maybe it's because of self. Maybe because you ain't got sick of sin. Or maybe it's just because uh, you don't think you can. Or, but I want to tell you something. It's not up to your can. It's up to God. Amen. He can. Amen. It's not up to your doing. It's done. Amen. Thank God. Then we see he was focused on a plan. The prophecy would be fulfilled at Calvary. Hey, friend, Jesus knew that Calvary would satisfy the demands of a holy God. Jesus knew that when the events that would take place on Calvary was accomplished, God Almighty would be satisfied and lost sinners could be saved. And may I say should be saved. Folks, there's no plan B. The only plan that will ever set you free is the plan that God had that he would send his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 1. We was in 2 Peter in Sunday school. That sure was a good Sunday school lesson. And I wasn't studying while you was teaching. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18. I don't even know the verse. Why don't you look at it closely. It says, For as much as we know that we're not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by the tradition from your fathers. We're not saved by works, Joseph Smith. We're not saved by works, Helen uh, White. We're not saved by works, Pope. We're not saved by works, Mary. We're not saved by religion, uh, First Baptist, Second Baptist, and Third Baptist, and Fourth Baptist. We're not saved by religion, uh, Whitfield Baptist members. We're saved by relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Folks, a lot of people think they're saved by doing and, and, and what they can get out of uh, uh, this life of being good and moral, but that's like a ladder to heaven. There is no ladder, it's a cross. Amen. He came to us when we couldn't come to Him. And so this tradition of man is not going to save you. But look at verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Amen. Amen. The only way to be saved is through His blood. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we see the blood shed, an innocent lamb. And folks, we see this first prophecy in Genesis 3, 15 of the Lord going to come and take our place and defeat the devil and that his heel would be bruised, but, but, uh, only, uh, uh, but he would bruise the devil's head. Once heard Brother Ron Garrish preach on, preach on the Lord still in the head-busting business. Amen? Amen. But look at 3, 15, Genesis I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Excuse me. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And so, folks, Jesus said that Satan was defeated at Calvary. So he went forth, and he was going to the place uh, where there was fulfillment of a plan. And then he was focused on a people. It wasn't just a place. It wasn't just a plan. His mind was on people. Folks, the Bible says in Matthew 1, 21, uh, that uh, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Before he's even born, God said, he call his name Jesus, Savior, Messiah, because he's going to die and save his people from their sins. And so I see it very clearly. Folks, the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, that we can receive the Lord Jesus Christ if we'll believe on Him. We can receive life. And the Bible says in John 10, 10, life abundant. And He will no wise cast you out. So He had His mind on you when He was at the cross. 
And so the Bible says, look back at our text now, we'll try to go verse by verse. It says, and when they were on, going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus went before them, they were amazed, and were followed, they were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto them. And so Jesus had a focus. He went up to Jerusalem, not just for a religious ceremony, thank God, it was to die in your place. Amen. But then he had his followers. Look at verse 32. It says, and, and they followed him, and they were amazed. The word amazed literally means astonished and somewhat frightened. The Bible says they feared. In the Greek, it's phobio, which we get the word phobia. And so, folks, it meant that they were seized with alarm. You ever had somebody that's uh, got uh, a phobia? Uh, there's all kinds of phobias. Uh, they're scared of closed-up places. I once heard a guy say, I'm, I got a phobia against church. I just can't stand it. I said, okay, sit on the back row, praise God. Or sit in the hallway. You can listen there. But uh, some people have uh, uh, the phobia of blood, especially when they see their own. Amen. Uh, there's a gyrophobia. Some people are afraid of women. And looking at some of you men who you married to, I don't blame you. No, not really. Uh, they're afraid of women. Afraid of high places, low places, closed places. I'm afraid I'm going to eat too much. That's the only fear I got. Amen. We all got fears. <laughs> we just got fears. Full of fear. And the reason for their fear is uh, uh, they were afraid for Jesus. But they were also afraid for themselves. In John chapter 11, you know the great uh, story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. But after that miracle, I want you to look at verse 53 of John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verse 53, please. The Bible says this. Aren't you glad these are series where you'd be here all morning? Amen. I mean, I can just cut it off and start tonight. Amen. If you'll come back, you'll get in on it. Amen. Amen. Come on. Some of y'all look like y'all enjoy this. Come on. You know, one of the things a preacher is encouraged by is response. I don't know why. It's just, it's just human nature. And all you teachers, you know when you teach, you don't want people falling out on you. You don't want people grimacing at you. You don't want people growling at you. And you definitely don't want people distracted and texting at you. Amen. And uh, so listen like you're teaching. Listen like you're preaching. Amen. Uh, not that anybody wasn't listening. This is a very attentive crowd. Amen. All of you got on Sudafed, you're really, you're really pepped up this morning. But look at this. John chapter 11, verse 53. This is amazing to me. The Bible says, And from that day forth they took counsel together to put him to death. Look at this, verse 54. And Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews, but went thence into the country near the wilderness into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. And the, Jew, the Jews' Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out to the country up to Jerusalem. There it is again, up to Jerusalem, before the Passover to purify themselves. They Then sought they for Jesus and spake among themselves as they stood in the temple. What think ye that we will not come to the feast? Look at verse 57. Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he were, um, he should show it that they might take him. Now, folks, no wonder the disciples were a little afraid, but Jesus walked before them. He set his face, Isaiah 50, verse 7, like a flint towards Calvary. 
Aren't you glad he didn't cow down? Aren't you glad he didn't back out? Folks, he's the most courageous Savior. He's the most compassionate Savior. And I want to tell you something. He walks on. His followers probably tried to talk him out of said, Jerusalem, you know they're going to kill you. He said, I know exactly that. And he goes into detail how they're going to do it. And so he resolves their fear. Even though they're afraid, I thank God they went on with him. Now, that's commitment. You know, today we don't have that kind of commitment. We don't have that kind of resolve. I want to tell you something. If somebody gets offended at church, they don't come back for three months. Yeah. Come on now. Somebody don't shake your hand. I noticed how everybody was treating our first-time visitors back there. And I just thank God. And my soul smiled a little bit and said, I'm glad we got a friendly church. Yeah. I've been in some churches. I'm telling you what. Some people sit over here. Some people sit over there. Some people sit over there. And they never get out of the slot. Right. I mean, it's dead as a hammer. Say amen. You know how dead a hammer is? Swing one at somebody's brain, you'll find out. It's dead as a hammer. And they don't get up, they don't, they don't smile, they don't shake hands, they don't act like nobody's anybody. And folks, I'm glad we're not like that. And I want to tell you something, these disciples were kind people, but they said, oh, I don't know what, what we're going to face in Jerusalem, but I'm going with you. I'm going with you. That's commitment. Amen. You can criticize the disciples, they didn't understand the whole message. They didn't get it all about the resurrection because they all uh, was upset when he died because if they really believed the resurrection, they'd been shouting when he died. Right. They said, wait just three, hey, just wait three days, government, you'll see. Just wait three days, Pilate, you'll see. But they were a little confused. And folks, I want to tell you something, our doubts and fears can go away. Yeah. Yesterday I was visiting with a lady in the hospital. Matter of fact, it's a lady that used to work here and was very faithful. And I looked at her and I was counseling with her and I said, Ms. Peggy, I want to tell you something. You don't have to fear the future. Amen. And I want to say this. I want to say it very kindly. God cares about you. Amen. God loves you. Yes. God's got a purpose for your life. And I said, it'd be a good time right now to rededicate your life. And she teared up and said, I sure need to. I appreciate your prayers. I appreciate you coming by. She, she recognized Miss Connie. She didn't recognize me. I wonder why. Amen. I've aged. She hadn't. I don't, th I don't think I'd get an amen on that one, amen. But <laughs> the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, some comforting verses I shared in the hospital yesterday, and I want to share them with you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. I believe I got to these yesterday. I've made, a, made quite a few visits, so I don't know what I shared, but I know I shared the word. But I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 4. And I tell you what, it pays when people are down to use it as an opportunity to get them back up. Amen. I want to tell you something. Our extremities is God's opportunity to show that He cares. Amen. And you know how He cares? Through you. So get out of the house and visit. Amen. Amen. Get out of your pew and shake a hand. Somebody needs your smile a lot more than they need your frown. Amen. I'm looking for the worst frown over here. I'll tell you what. God needs us to be encouragers. I'm encouraged this morning about Calvary. I'm encouraged that I'm going to live forever. I'm encouraged that God spared some of ours that we're very close to. But thank God I'm glad that even if he didn't, there's a heaven to gain. Hebrews 4, look at it. I want you to look at verse 15. It says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. There is no, there is no religious priest that can be touched like our priest. He really cares because he's been there and he's done that. 
Praise God he suffered so he'd know how we suffer. He was forsaken so we won't have to be forsaken. Look at verse 16. This is my favorite verse in this chapter. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne. And some people say of God. That's not what it says. It says the throne of grace. That we may obtain what? Mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Folks, mercy's not getting what you deserve. Well, I love ministering to those prisoners. I was trying to talk to one this morning on the internet. You're going to have to help me communicate with them, brother. I don't know how to do that. Brother Larry does. And find grace to help in the time of need. Folks, I want to tell you something. The time of need's right now. But I like Hebrews 13, going over there to Hebrews 13 while we're there. I love the Word of God. It'll comfort you. Look at, verse, look at Hebrews 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Some people are just never satisfied. This world produces a, a, a hunger and thirst for things. Amen? Yes. You ever looked at, hey, more people talked about the Super Bowl commercials than they did the Super Bowl. Wonder why? I don't like Super Bowls anymore since the Falcons blew them, blew it. But anyway, uh, look, look, look. So I was looking at the commercials. Amen. Some of them too good. Let your conversation be without covetousness. The world produces a covetousness in your life, never satisfied. And be content with such things as you have. Say Amen, right there. You've been married forty-eight years. Say Amen. It says, "For He has said, I'll never leave thee." nor forsake thee. <laughs> Amen. Aren't y'all glad y'all found that verse this morning? He'll never leave you or forsake you. I've, I've, I've had earthly fathers forsake me through drink. Some of y'all have had uh, uh, mothers forsake you. I was thinking about that yesterday, how every child needs a good mama, a godly mama, a praying mama, a faithful mama. And you don't have that there's a void in your soul. And, I, and, I, and that's why I was really trying to exhort somebody, be a good mama. Hey, just be faithful mama. Hey, be it right mama. Amen. And folks, thank God for that. But listen to this, verse 6, Hebrews 13, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I'll not fear what man shall do unto me. He's my helper. Psalms 46, 1 says, he's a present help in the time of need. Yes, Guess what? We're in it. Then let me just close. He said, I wish you would. I got three ball games to watch and got to take a nap. And I'm going to eat four times before I get back. But um, a <laughs> lot to do on Sunday, isn't it? But I want to tell you something. This ought to be the priority of your life. Amen. Worship. Worship. Look at verse 33 of our text, Mark chapter 10. Go back with me, please. Don't you love just going verse by verse? Sure frees me. Look at verse 33. Saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and to the scribes, and they shall con- this third time he's telling them this now. And they shall condemn him to death. They shall deliver him to the Gentiles, and they shall mock him, and they shall scourge him, and they shall spit upon him, and they shall kill him. And the third day he shall arise. Hallelujah. Folks, I want you to see Jesus... Uh, had a place, he had a focus, he had some followers, but I want to show you about his future. I'm, I'm telling you, friend, how did Jesus know these things? 
First of all, Jesus is God. Say amen. Second of all, I believe he read the Old Testament. Amen. I believe he read the scripture. You want to know God, read his book. You want to know God, stay in his book, read his book, and you'll grow wise. But I see that he said, first of all, my future's got rejection in it. You know, the Bible says he came into his own, and his own received him not. John 1, 11. And folks, I want to tell you, his own people reject. The Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin, would condemn him as a common criminal and sentence him to die. Matthew 26, 63 through 66. And then his future involved ridicule. Even as he died, the crowd around the cross would mock him. He said, and they shall mock him. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. The scene, the guards, the high priest, they all mocked him. The soldiers and Pilate mocked him. John 19 is a good chapter to read sometimes when you feel like you're lonely and rejected. He was rejected and despised for you. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him, Isaiah 53 written 912 years before he was even born. The crowd mocked him, though. Matthew 27, 39 through 44 says they wagged their heads. And folks, I want to tell you something. It's one thing to be ridiculed by the government. We expect that, don't we? It's ridiculed by the guards. They were hard-hearted. But to be ridiculed by your own people that you came to rescue. It was a lonely day at Calvary. A lonely day. And then when the cloud of sin caused him not to sense the presence of God, he cried out, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? I'll tell you why. Because you'll never have to be forsaken. I have a Savior, I have a Shepherd, and I have a Heavenly Father that stays with me. Many people died from the very act of this scourging. Look at verse 34 and I'll close. And they mocked him and they shall scourge him. A scourge was a Roman uh, soldier would take a cat of nine tails, and it has metal and bones and rocks embedded in those uh, lashes, and they'd go across that body 39 times, and sometimes a person would not even survive the scourge. Our Jesus laid his back open. Uh, They say that a, a stray lash would sometimes rip out an eye or go to an inner organ and and just rip, and they'd bleed out at the, at the scourge. Folks, the future was they also sped in his face. And they ripped his beard out. They nailed him as the king of glory to an old Roman cross. That was an execution stand. That's like our electric chair. And for six agonizing hours, he, he hung between heaven and earth sped upon. I want to tell you this, friend. It takes a real God not to wipe out that man that sped in his face. As he cleared his throat and sped on him. That was, the, that was the worst insult possible in that day, and I believe it still is. You want to really get me into a test of my faith, spit in my face after I preach. Uh, it would be hard for me to restrain myself and say, God bless you, brother. You better hope I'm in the spirit on that day. Say amen. <laughs> Woo! But thank God Jesus did not strike back. He was a lamb to the slaughter. He spoke not one word. 
and he could have called one angel and wiped out that crowd. It didn't take 10,000 angels. One angel would have wiped them out. And for six agonizing hours, and then he was buried in a borrowed tomb, John 19, 31 through 32, 42. And thank God, here's the greatest part. It says he was mocked, scourged, and spit upon, and then they killed him. Some people say, oh, I think he was just swooned to death. My friend, I'm going to tell you something. You have nails driven through your hands and your feet. You have a spear uh, pierced through your side where you'd bleed out. And you're scourged before you get up there and all their blood is almost drained out of your body. And you think you can survive that? No, he died. He didn't swoon and get into a cool tomb. Folks, I want to tell you something. He was wrapped like a mummy in those days and they tried to prepare his body uh, for that burial. And folks, when they came into that tomb... That, that uh, wrappings was flat. And there was a handkerchief that was over his face that was folded. The Jewish custom of that day was, hey, listen, um, when I fold this, this napkin, don't touch my food, I'm coming back. <laughs> Amen. When he folded that napkin, he said, hey, listen, it's all right, I'm coming back. I'm coming again. Now, if they took that napkin and Place it over there and try to hide what you don't eat when you're at a guest house. You know how you do it. You try to take nap, hide all that stuff you don't like, collard greens, asparagus, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, a good healthy stuff. You try to hide. That means, hey, I'm finished. There's no hope for that meal. I'm gone. But boy, when he folded it, Jewish custom, I'll be back. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm getting excited about my own preaching. You don't enjoy your own preaching, you might as well just give up preaching, amen? So if y'all don't look like y'all enjoying it, but I'm enjoying, I'm, I'm enjoying the stuffings out of this, amen? amen. Why? Because of that last phrase. Right. He says, and in the third day, he shall, talking about himself now, rise again. Hallelujah. There it is. Folks, we're not worshiping a dead God. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you two verses in closing. Get you home real early today. All you Auburn fans said hallelujah, praise God. But look at this. I want you to look at John 10, verse 18, please. John 10, verse 18. Come on now. This is more important. Anything else on your mind right now? And I know you're here, and I appreciate you for being here. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 18. Sometimes I get preaching, can't even find the book of John. I'm in trouble. Amen. John 18. Y'all try this sometime. John 10, excuse me. John 10. I want you to look at verse 18. I love this verse. I love all the verses. But it says, No man taketh it from me. Talking about his life. But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. One more verse. And this will make a Presbyterian shout. I want you to look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. I've never been in a Presbyterian church. I don't know what they do. But look at this, verse 18. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. Would you look at it? Somebody ought to circle it in red. Somebody ought to put it in yellow. Hey, praise God. Somebody ought to at least look up and say, Amen. Revelation 1, 18. 
I'll wait for you to find it and stop talking. You got it? Right, Revelation 118. I want you to get every word of this. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I like this good biblical word, amen. Some of you ought to try that sometime. It won't hurt. Amen. Look at this. And I have the keys of hell and of death. Folks, he's alive. He's more alive than he's ever been alive. So he went on before. Folks, not only did he go on before to Jerusalem, but he went on before to heaven. And he's our forerunner. He's already entered in. And folks, matter of fact, you're there with him because he's the head, you're the body. And that's why you can't lose your salvation. And shouldn't even think about it. And thank the Lord, friend. We have assurance. And our anchor is not down. And our anchor is not in these flimsy, uh, whimsical things of this world. Our anchor is in him. Hebrews 6, 18 through the end of the chapter. Read it sometime. Folks, our forerunner and our anchor is Jesus Christ. So he went on before. Jesus led the way like a good shepherd, like the only Savior. And so, folks, you can be saved today. Number two, your fears and worries in your walk of life can be put aside. And number three, you ought to be thankful. You ought to be thankful. You ought to be overjoyed that we can worship in spirit and truth with thanksgiving. Because he told us. He told them. They didn't listen. He died. But praise God, three days later, he arose. So when you see the phrase in the text, I, I just got to read it one more time. Mark chapter 10, verse 32. They were on the way going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus went before them. And Jesus went before them. I thank God that the Lord has paved the way for salvation and for satisf- satisf- uh, being satisfied, thrilled, filled, and satisfied with His presence. And we cannot walk alone. We can walk with Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for the unspeakable gift of love, the love of Calvary. Lord, I thank you for the way your people's listen this morning. I believe this ought to be more interesting than the greatest ball game, the greatest lecture, the greatest uh, educational experience, the greatest entertainment. This ought to be so interesting that it grasps our hearts Amen. with the reality that you've gone on before and that you said everything was going to happen to you to those disciples that day. And Lord, most important of all, you told them, don't worry. Don't fear. They might kill me, but I won't stay in the grave. And up from the grave you arose, and Lord, because of the death, burial, and resurrection, every person in this room can be saved. Every person in this world can be saved if they'll only trust you. Thank you, Lord, for going before us.